thanks for this evening. Thank you for the privilege we have to be here. I pray a blessing on Brian as he shares. May you give him wisdom. May he speak from the heart. Thank you for the privilege we have to work as uh, Christians. Thank you for the example we have in scripture of many people who worked. So we pray a blessing on the evening and each one here in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessings, brother. Good evening. It's good to be here. I should have warned you, I kind of move around when I talk, so I'll try to aim towards this here a little bit. But Work. How many of you really just can't wait for tomorrow morning to go to work? What about the rest of you? It's coming. You know, so start thinking about that now, okay? Um, Ken said, you know, about 30 minutes or so, so it's quarter after, so. If it gets beyond that, somebody needs to stand up and point to their watch and we'll be good, okay? Um, working beyond my potential. So how many, potential gives us the idea that we have capacity or ability. I can do so much. And oftentimes that's where we stop when we're dealing with work, just when we look at maybe our skill set or the skill set that's expected of us because of what we do, I want to challenge you that you probably can do more than that. I don't know all of you. I know some of you, uh, probably Ken and Dale Weaver there. I've, I've known him longer than anybody here for my wife um, but as far as working together I feel like I can say what I am, am led to say because Ken's not gonna he's not going to uh, be at work tomorrow where I go to work so. <laughs> Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 says and the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And I was glad to hear the comment about work being something that was given to us before the fall. And when we look at this verse, just this short verse, there's three things highlighted in this, in this verse. One is, I'm going to get something to hold my Bible open here. The phrase, put him into. God took man and put him into the garden. That was, that was a place that was to be a place of rest. That was to be a place of an abode of happiness and peace. So when we read that God put him in the garden... That was where he was going to be, and it was going to be rest. To dress it was to till or to cultivate or to work it. And to keep it was to guard or faithfully preserve it. Now, when you think about your job, do you do any of those things? Do you rest in it? Do you cultivate it? 
Do you make it a better place for the next people that are going to work your job? Do you guard it? Do you faithfully preserve it? Do you do those things that make it appealing for the next generation to do that job? Because regardless of how good you are at what you do, there's going to come a day when you don't do that anymore. You may choose not to do it. You may not be able to do it, but you're going to stop doing it at some point. Someone else is going to take that up. It could be your, your sons or your daughters. Other coworkers are going to fill in. They're going to grow up and take your place. You're not going to be here forever. We all know that and accept that. So we need to look at our job, not just as a way to get the means to provide for yourself, although that is an important component of working, but it's multifaceted. How do you work? Do you work diligently? Are you working for the Lord in whatever you do? Are you working so you can support yourself? Are you working so you can be generous? Do you enjoy your work? Do you do your best? Are you starting your work now? And I might ask you, does that question sound silly to you? Are you ready to start your work now? Or is your attitude, someday I'll really sink my teeth into it and I'll get to work? Because I would submit to you that the time to start working is now, when you have opportunity get started working. There was a quote that I came across by Warren Buffett, and I don't subscribe to everything that he says, but he is successful, was very successful in business. He said, games are won by players who focus on the playing field, not by those whose eyes are glued to the scoreboard. And at your job, if you're focused on Friday or whatever day you get your paycheck, you're going to miss a lot. You're going to be focusing on that scoreboard or that clock and saying, okay, if I punch out at you know, whatever time, I have X number of hours of overtime, that's worth this much to me. If that's your focus, you're missing a whole bunch of important stuff with your, with your jobs. Focus on the playing field. Focus on what's right in front of you. I'm not saying you shouldn't have goals. Goals are very important to set, to plan, to look forward to. But don't be distracted just by keeping score or those that are keeping score around you. There's, there's a lot more to work than just the scoreboard. The letters that Paul wrote to the Corinthians and I'm not going to read all the first and second Corinthians, but I would encourage you to do so in the light of what working is. The first letter he wrote to the Corinthians was, and we'll just quickly summarize, you know, he was, he was talking about some of the problems that were, were creeping in, the pressures and struggles of the church in the pagan society that Corinth was. And he talks about um, you know, the questionable practices, the abuse of the Lord's Supper, a variety of things. And he's, he's giving them some counsel. The second letter that he wrote to the Corinthians 
if you look at it in a in a overview of a, the, the entire letter, not just a, not necessarily chapter by chapter, but in in an overview, we can see um, some of the things that were being said about Paul and the work that he was doing in this early church stage. And there's some things about work that are revealed in this letter. And we're going to skip down through 2 Corinthians a little bit. So if you want to open your Bibles and get ready to look, read some verses together here, um, we'll do that as we go through the evening. There's a couple things that I'm going to highlight about his letter. The one is, the first one is your relationships. When you're at work, are you working just by yourself? Now, you may have a job that you're fairly secluded in what you do, but there's probably people that either have um, some authority over you or some people that you have under you, and structure in the workplace is healthy. But the relationship that you have with your coworkers says a lot about your heart condition and your attitude about your job. And we often get tied up in the details of what we do and forget about our coworkers and the relationships that those, that the relationships that that allows us to invest in. If we're too busy at our job to invest in the people that we're working alongside, again, you're missing a lot. We have relationships with people, and we should thank God for those, even for those people that irritate you. And I don't know who all you work with, but I suspect that some of your coworkers aren't the greatest people to work with. I work with some people that I would not have handpicked to work with, but I'm thankful for them. Verse 7 of chapter 1. Are we thanking God for our relationship? 2 Corinthians 1, verse 7, 8, and 11. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the suffering, so shall ye be also of the consolation. For, the, for we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. In verse 11, ye are helping together, ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Do you feel pressed out of measure at work sometimes? We call it stress, I think, most of the time. What do you do with that pressure? Does that drive you to thank God for that coworker? Right in that moment, probably not. But pay attention for the opportunity to see that person in a different light and to thank God for them. To thank God that they kind of bent you out of shape. They frustrated you. They irritated you. They messed up what you were doing. And you got to do it again. Take a breath. Get back to work. And look for the opportunity to be grateful 
for that person working alongside you, to thank God for that. It'll do something for your attitude. When I look at people that I work with and I see their shortcomings and I see their quirks, if I'm patient with them, I do have an opportunity later to be thankful for them. What do I do with that when I feel that? Do I tell them? Do I work for the joy of others? Verse 24 of chapter 1 says, Not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. And a lot of Paul's letter to the Corinthians, the spiritual content is very apparent. But it can be applied to our, to our work relationships. Are you working for the joy of others? Are you working just for the joy of yourself? just because you want to do this? Are you glad when your coworkers are having a good day? Are you sincere in your work? Verse 17 of chapter 2 says, For we are, not, we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God in the sight of God speak we in Christ. What you do, what I do, not everybody sees. Very few of you have seen me at work. Maybe one, two, three, four, five have seen me at work. Uh, I've seen maybe that many of you at work. But the people that see you every day at work do they say he cares about his job? She really feels strongly that she needs to do a good job? Or do they say, well, he's kind of careless. And I don't really know if he wants to be here. When we say thank you to our employers for providing a job, are we sincerely grateful for that? Is our sincerity meaningful to the people under us. Bill Clinton said, and I, again, don't subscribe to many of the views that he holds, but he said, he's credited with the quote, that being president is a lot like running a cemetery. He said, you have a lot of people under you and nobody's listening. And you might feel that way about your boss. You're working, but they're not listening. Or maybe you have people that you are responsible for. You manage, you give direction. A lot of people under you, but nobody's listening. Sincerity is a component of, of how you listen. I can listen to somebody tell me a story and then forget it in five minutes. If I'm really concerned about what somebody's telling me, I'm gonna pay attention. I'm gonna look them in the eye. I'm gonna to try to remember key points about what they're saying to me. And your sincerity is, is felt. Treat one another with respect, with sincerity, and it's gonna affect the next point, that is your performance and your accountability. Sometimes we do things that we feel aren't real meaningful, they just need to get done. Well, it's important that they get done, 
or it wouldn't have been assigned to you. Somebody has to do whatever you consider the lowest task on the totem pole, the stuff that is just icky, but somebody's got to do it. If that's what you're assigned to do, do it as unto the Lord. Because if you're doing it just with your eye on that clock or your eye on that scoreboard, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fall short of that rewarding engagement with our work. I don't bring my phone or my wallet into church, so I'm sort of shorthanded right now. Does anybody have a $20 bill I can borrow? You got one? I'll get it back. Yep, looks like a 20. It says 20 on it a couple times. The University of Massachusetts did a study, and this is back in the, I think it was 16 or 17, did a study. U.S. currency, over 85% of U.S. currency can be tested and found to have traces of cocaine on it. So good chances are that this would have some on it. I don't know. I got it. I got it from Josh. So <laughs> he he didn't know what he was handing me other than a twenty dollar bill. So if if we had ten of them here, at least eight of them would be contaminated. Does that make it worth more or less than twenty dollars? Where it's been. Who handled it doesn't determine what it's worth. It's still worth 20 bucks, whether it was, it was used for illicit drugs, whether it was used to send Bibles to Africa. It's still $20. The value of this isn't determined by what it's been through, what it's been exposed to, what it was used for. And you as a worker, your value is not really determined by what you've been through, what you've been exposed to, what rubbed off on you. You know, this, this is pretty clean. There's a little mark here at the top. but Sometimes we think, well, I probably can't do my job as good as so-and-so because of what I've been through. Here, before I forget. Thank you. Your value as a worker, as a $20 bill, it's not determined by where you've been. I submit to you that your value as a worker is determined by who made you. And if you agree that you were made in the image of God, who's to say that your potential stops here because that's what people expect of you who's to say that your potential is limited to a certain amount do they know the magnitude of god do they know the potential that god sees in you remind yourself of that when you feel like your performance is is a little subpar or somebody tells you that it's subpar there are right times for people to address me 
to address you and say, pick it up a notch. Let's get to work. Stop goofing off. We all need that from time to time. But if somebody is trying to put you down and say, you just, you're not as, as good as so-and-so, ask yourself, do they have the, do they have infinite knowledge as to what my capacity is? You may need to search your heart and say, can I do better at this? Can I, can I learn something? Am I willing to be taught? Can I do, can I be more efficient? There's, place, there's places that we can all grow, but don't let where you've been, who you've been in contact with, be the only thing that de defines your value. Your value is determined by who created you. Do we focus on profit with a purpose? So we go to work to provide for our, ourselves, for our families. And speaking of providing taxes, it's, you know, April 15th is coming. Teach your children early about taxes. In fact, buy them their favorite snack and then eat 38% of it yourself. <laughs> They'll remember it that way. Get a candy bar, divide it up. Okay, 38%, that's mine. There's your taxes. That's how that works. Don't look for every loophole that you can possibly come up with when you're working to cut out paying your, paying your taxes. And that's, that's a subject I won't get into real much, but we do live in a land that there's a lot of benefits because of the civil structure that we live under. And let's not be, be known as, as people that are cutting corners to avoid uh, our responsibility. Back to focusing on our profits with a purpose. What are you going to do with the money that you make, that you pile up, that you save? It's been several months ago now that I sat beside John, a good friend, and watched him die. And he's not, he wasn't a wealthy man. He had sufficient means. But as he laid in the hospital and passed away. I can assure you, he didn't take any of it with him when he passed. His last breath, and he was gone. And there was, there was no transportation of any of his wealth with him to his eternal reward. So when you look at the profits that you're able to make, what's the purpose of them? What's the purpose of those profits? Is it to build the kingdom? Is it to be generous? Is it to help others? Generosity is not an option. If we go, the back, go back to 2 Corinthians, uh, back to chapter 8, I'm going to read verses 1, 2, and 3. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves praying. And we'll leave off reading there. But it, it talks about what all they did up to their limits and beyond. 
they were generous, the Macedonians. And I don't think generosity is really an option for a child of God as it relates to your work and your profits. If you get, get all you can and can all you get and sit on the lid is not a good policy. Take what you have, be generous. Don't be foolish, we are to be good stewards. I think we all know that. We're to, we're to be conscious of what we, choices we make because it's not ours. Who owns the business that you work for? So you might think of the president, the CEO, the, the people that started the company, built the company. Do they really, are they really the ones that, that own it? You know, the cattle on a thousand hills doesn't belong to the farmer, the rancher. Who really owns your business? How are you in fulfilling your obligations? Are you timely or are you careless? Do you pay attention to the commitments you make and do you fulfill your obligations when you said you would? If you can't fulfill your obligations, what do you do about it? You, you make excuses or just try to avoid it and, and you know, not draw attention to yourself? Or do you go to your superior and say, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna get that done. Tell them why you're not gonna get it done. What can I do to be more efficient at it? What can I do to, to make it right? Because I said I would be done and I'm not. Fulfill your obligations as, uh, to the best of your ability. When you have a, when you mess up, admit it. I screwed up a lot. Ken knows I messed up. We, we would do fireplaces and I'd go out and look, I'd look at a job and I'd say, it's gonna take this and this and this. I'd come back to the office and I'd tell Ken, that's what we need. And then I'd go out to do the job and it's like, I really do need this and this, but I also need this and this. And, and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. I come back into to the office and I tell well, Ken, you messed up. You didn't mention or you didn't give me all the stuff I needed. Well, it was really my problem. Was I willing to say, hey, I screwed up. We're going to need some more stuff. Admit when you're the problem. And uh, Henry Ford said, you can't build a reputation on what you're going to do. You can't build a reputation on what you're going to do. You build your reputation on what you actually do. If we could, if we could build a reputation on just what we say that we're gonna do, we would all have you know, the most glowing resume in the county and, and our reputation would be beyond I don't know, we probably try to outdo each other with, with what our reputation is going to look like because I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And your reputation is built on what you do. So be careful with your, your commitments. Ephesians 2, verse 10. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. 
developing your potential. Potential is how far you can go. You have the choice to make that potential as far as you can go by yourself or how far you can go with God. God may take you in a different direction, but your impact is going to be much greater than if you set your course and say, this is where I'm going to go, this is the impact I'm going to have because I can do it. Self-confidence has its place, but if it's just about you, you're going to be able to go so far and that's it. Bring God into the equation and you can go further. How many of you know what the Tower of Liar is? Anybody familiar with the Tower of Liar? Not liar like you're not, not telling the truth, but liar as in the name of a mathematician. Anybody? I brought some stuff along here to illustrate a point in closing. It's also called the block stacking problem. Um, you scholars may be interested in this. It illustrates potential, how far we can go. So I'll drink some of this so there's less mess in a bit. These blocks are just, they're all regular blocks. There's nothing rigged about the blocks. It's just some wood I had in the shop that I cut up. They're all fairly uniform. There's no hidden magnets or anything here. So I don't know if you can see well or not. But if you picture yourself as a block, and I'll hold the first couple up here. We're gonna use one as our, our foundation, and then we're gonna put another block on there, and we're gonna push it over here, illustrating your potential. How far can you go? Well, we probably all know the laws of physics. Once we get past the midpoint here, it's gonna tip off, right? We can't really cheat physics, God set the laws of nature together. So right about there, that's as far, that's my potential right there. That's as far as I can go. I can't go any further or I fall off, correct? Okay. There's a way for me to go further. There's a way for me to get out here or out here. Now, I don't have enough blocks here to illustrate that. But if I stack that up there and, and find where it's gonna tip over, the halfway point, and then just move it back a little bit so it, it's not gonna tip off. That's my potential, I can't go anymore. But I feel like God would have me to go further of myself, if I move beyond this tipping point, I crash and burn, right? What I need is something under me, a little bit of a foundation. I don't need weight on top of me. That looks like we could put some on there and move it right on out, but that's just pressing me down. I want something that bolsters me and allows me to go further. So I take 
I get myself up on top. I can probably hold this steady enough for a little bit. So this is me pushing myself to the limit here. It's going to tip over about right there, so I'll move back a little bit. Now I become part of this, and I can push myself out further and further until I get to a tipping point where they both would tip over. If I add some more to my foundation, and I'll leave it on the table here at this point, I don't know if you can see, but now myself, represented by this top one, is almost out past the foundation that I started with. If I take those and add another one underneath there and push it out, stretch, I learn some things, I, I pay attention to my superior, my instructor. I get to a point where I'm almost even with the first block that I started on, hanging out over the edge. If I add another one, now I, I can clearly see that I'm out beyond the first one. And we'll stop there because 30 minutes is up. If I had enough blocks to build this high, I could build it that way as far as I wanted to. Mathematically, you always have something left when you divide one in half and divide that. You never get to zero. So if we had an infinite number of blocks, we could build infinite distance this way. Mathematically, it's possible. Practically, it's going to be very difficult because it's going to be way up there. But your potential, we know it's not limited by what has rubbed off on us, the $20 bill. Your potential is based on who made you, who created you. Your, poten your potential in working is not limited to what you think you can do. Otherwise, we'd have to say, well... We'd all, be like, we'd all be like this here, and we'd all only get that far. We'd never get out here. We'd never get further. Your potential at your job is based on what you're willing to apply yourself to, to become, to become part of. This block up here wouldn't be able to exist hanging out over here if it wasn't willing to be part of something a little bit bigger. And then a little bit bigger, and then a little bit bigger. If you say, I'm as smart as I'm going to be, this is all I can do, you're wrong. God has places for you to go at your job, whether you feel it's just a dead-end job. I don't think there's, there's a place that God says, I'm going to stick you in a dead-end job. Because he knows your value. He created you. He made you to work. He made you so that work can be 
a place of rest. He made you so that your work can be worth your time. He made you so that your work can be preserved for the next generation. Your work has value because of what God says about you. Not what other people say about you, what God says about you. So if you have bad days, you're normal. We all have bad days from time to time. Pick yourself up. Get ready for tomorrow. Remember, tomorrow's Monday. We're all looking forward to work tomorrow. It's not because I have my eye on a paycheck. It's not because I have an opportunity to set that coworker straight. It's not because I have an opportunity to show off in front of my coworkers. It's because I have the opportunity to bring honor and glory to God because he created me to work and his potential living in me is going to astound people. People are going to look at you and think, how's that guy do it? Not because you do it on your own strength, but because you do it because of what God has given to you. Fulfill your obligations. Develop your potential. And, and see where God takes you. God bless you.